Hey, hey, welcome back to Stub Me Down, season five. Unbelievable that we are recording our 50th episode today. Of course, as always, I'm doing this with my best friend and co-host Skinny, who I'm sure enjoyed a little bit of a break from me over the uh, last couple of months, but we're back at it. And Skinny, say hello to the people for season five, my man, episode 50. Yeah, man, I, 50 is a lot. I did not know we would ever record this many episodes, and I didn't know today. I'm totally blindsided that it's 50. I mean, I knew it was 50, but not this one that we're recording today. So that's actually freaking awesome. And, you know, we hit 10K, man. That was pretty neat for a couple yeah. of dudes that don't really know what they're doing and always have problems. I mean, podcasting from our basements for the right. last four years and somehow, yeah. some way. 10,000 downloads of the previous 49 episodes, which is um, humbling to say the least. I mean, I don't know if it was you and me listening to 10,000 you know, times <laughs> each episode, <laughs> uh, but that's uh, not true. No, I didn't listen to it 10,000. We had some great, we've had some great guests, and um, those people are certainly draws. And, you know, I don't know how many people are really tuning in just to hear us, but we've got some interesting people that we get on the show, and that has been a lot of fun. And Skinny, this season is going to be no different. We already have a few guests lined up, including today. We're starting right off out of the gate with an amazing guest who we'll get to in just a second. But Skinny- Like fucking secretariat here, <laughs> like right out of the gate, no, you're right? ready to go. Well, I guess uh, we started with a guest last season too, RJB, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're good. We're good. Uh, Goose Skinny is wrapping up their Europe tour. Those shows have been pretty good. Although, Megan, my wife, reiterated kind of what you said that you think maybe they're getting a little tired towards the end of the show. They've been touring a lot. I have not heard every note from Europe. I've heard a bunch of shows here and there. They sound good. I'm excited for Goosemas. Yeah, that's right. You're going to Goosemas. I, <clears throat> yeah. sorry, I, uh, I haven't. I'm listening to the Ryman Theater now from last year's tour. So like, I'm doing other stuff with, uh, <laughs> with Goose. I can't keep up. Like, I saw that you went to Eggy last night, and then you went to J Rad Saturday. Good on you, man. Because yeah. uh, I'm a little tired. Hey, I'll tell you what. Doing an Eggy show on a or any show on a you know, a random Sunday night. It was cool. We were with the boys. We were with Pummel and Chuck and Billy, uh, which was cool. Nice. And it was my first Eggy show. They put on a pretty fun show. I got to meet the drummer after um, the show, which was cool. You know, they seem like a nice group of guys, but you know, they're grinding, they're hustling, they're trying to play a lot of shows. And I was like, oh, this was your tour closer. He's like, well, yeah, but we're going back out in a week. <laughs> so, you know, so those, a, those you know, younger, yeah. smaller bands, I mean, the 8x10 is a closet to see a show, as you well know. We've seen a lot of music there. Mm -hmm. Fish um, played there. For yeah, yeah, way back many in the bands, day. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of bands have come through there. And and mm -hmm. we've seen all kinds there. J-Rad the night before on Saturday was great. I'm a big fan of J-Rad, man. They breathe just some incredible energy into Grateful Dead. They do all sorts of teases. There was like Dark Star teases and the other one teases. And then they fake out. And then they would play like Warfrat. Like it was a completely intricate way that they're kind of combining some of these things. And great scene. I had one dude who was a little bit of a creeper. Um which maybe we'll, we'll talk about as we go through today's episode. What do you slide backwards in the darkness? He was in front of me night. first, and then he like moved behind me, but like directly behind me. Like at one point, I was like, "Buddy, am I in your way?" Like it, it was. Megan was like worried. I was like, "I'm not gonna like we're at a Grateful Dead show. 
I'm just going to step yeah. forward if I'm bumping into the guy. Anyway, that's- by the way, I have a better name for J Rad. I thought they they should be called like Crossover Dribble or something because <laughs> they're 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 like you know the kings of fake. That's why I really like them when I see them. I was I actually have to tell you a true story real quick before we get started. Here is uh this summer at Peach Fest, their sound was off, and uh, it was not one of my favorite bands of the weekend. And that really I. It kind of made me a little upset because mm. I like J-Rat a lot. But, yeah. you know, that happens with live music. Somehow the mix doesn't get right in the house. And sure. it just was not, it wasn't what I wanted. You know what I mean? Right. So can't always get what you want, Rolling Stone. Uh, the Anthem is a great place to see a show if you out there in podcast listener world have not been there. I highly recommend it. And mm. um, Agreed. But we'll, we'll close out the year strong with some shows. Goose. Fish is doing their New Year's run, so I'll be at that. I know you have other plans. But... I'm taking your Billy String tickets while I'm paying for them. But... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, yes. Billy Strings is the same weekend as Goose. Goosemas. And the calendar will turn into January, and already you've got Green Sky. You've already got some shows announced for January, February. Um, but let's get through the end of this year first. <laughs> Sounds excited. Yeah. No, it's going to be great. Uh, Skinny, let's go ahead and talk about episode one of season five. Man, I'm really looking forward to today's guest. Um, GrooveSafe is an organization that is... Uh, had started showing up at shows in 2021 and is focused on building a consent culture in the live music scene and calling attention to and trying to stop and prevent sexual harassment and assault at concerts. Today, we are skinny, honored to welcome in Ashley Driscoll from GrooveSafe. And if I can figure out the technology... <laughs> Here she comes. Hey, Ashley. Five. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Everybody. Hi, I'm great. How's it going? I heard you say, let's see if we can figure out the technology. And I was all like, oh, I got it. It says click here. And then I, it went to somewhere else. And I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. Sorry about all that. That happens every single episode. So it's not you. Well, full disclosure, we're new to the video portion of the recording. Eventually, we're going to figure out what to do with it. But we're, we're trying to um, grow and evolve as, you know, even a couple of old dogs. Skinny's a little bit older than me, but a couple of old dogs trying to keep up with the game that is the podcasting world these days. You are the founder of GrooveSafe. Why don't you talk a little bit about your mission and kind of what you do with shows? Yeah, no, that's That sounds good. You had it pretty well. And um, as always, anytime I start this conversation, I like to let people know that the topic can be tough. So we like to just say like, you know, try to stay with us. But if at any time you feel, um, you know, feelings coming up or feel unsafe in any way, just, you know, pause it or mute it and get back to us. We can fill you in on what you missed or maybe try kind of coming back later. But we do encourage people to just um, sit back and kind of be aware that it can be hard. Um, but that being said, we're going to we're going to keep it on the lighter side just because we want to have some fun anyways. Um, but so GrooveSafe itself is we're a nonprofit. Um, we are a 501c3 and it started in kind of a grassroots movement for me, um, kind of based on, um, uh, personal, negative personal experiences that shows a long time concert goer. Um, and I just was starting to get uncomfortable 
with the things I was seeing and experiencing. Um, but the mission as for the nonprofit itself is with the goal of stopping or bringing attention to unwanted touching, sexual harassment and misconduct um, in live music settings, but basically anywhere where large crowds gather, the more people there are, the more likely there's going to be some sort of incident, um, harassment or otherwise. Um, that's just straight up math. But um, we want to make shows safer. And um, the most important piece of it is really the awareness, because there are some people who don't truly understand what harassment is and may or may not even know that it's going on. Um, obviously, many of us and listeners have experienced it firsthand, and it's very unlikely that you don't know a single person who has not um, experienced it, whether they've told you or not. But even we just, you talked at the top about you, there was a creeper at a show you were at. So it can be a lot more than just, um, you know, a man harassing a woman at a concert. Like it, it can be different um, genders are, can be involved as both offenders and victims. And it's a bigger conversation really about uh, body safety, awareness and um, personal space and respect for other people's, well, their, their dance space, but also their bodies and um, what may or may not be appropriate. We just want to teach people that it is in short, it, in fact, happening um, and ways to look out for it and support our peers. And like you mentioned in part of the mission statement, they, we do say building consent culture, which means breaking down the existing, what we call as rape culture and, and replacing it and building into a place where respect. And uh, I mean, the, the idea is to have a good time, but we want it to be centered on respecting other people in their space and being aware that other people exist and can be affected by your actions and behaviors, basically. Yeah. I was just going to say like, you know, I looked at the website, the videos on your mission statement and the information that's given on, on your site with the YouTube and everything, um, kind of just walking you through it, you know, believe it or not, like having to walk through that is just for knowledge, you know, to understand, because I think, you know, it's crazy. We got a lot of people out here, um, that go to shows and stuff that think that the show is like, Oh, there's like no holds barred. And like, you know, I can do whatever I want. And, you know, I'm in a crowd. It's lawless. Who's yeah. going to know. And, and that kind of, I think that attitude takes over a little bit that, um, and, and I'm so glad. And, and, you know, I applaud you for like starting something like that. Cause that not only does it take a lot of courage, but you know, sometimes people just start, they don't want to know. And those are the type of people we're trying to, yeah get to understand especially social awareness now it seems like um, just as an educator and um, more and more people have these social awareness issues you know what I mean so it might not always be quote-unquote like you said criminal so to break it down I, I just think that's something that I, I would have never thought of and I, I'm so glad you're doing it just to go back to Josh's point like you know we have daughters and it's important to us so I'm you know I, yeah. I'm really glad that you're on today. And yeah, thank, I mean, thanks for um, giving a platform to talk about it, because I mean, there's two things that you said a few things that I wanted to touch on. But um, I did say uh, the awareness is key because you can't know what you don't know. And then once you know it, it's up to all of us to take some sort of action or talk to a friend or, or spread it a little bit out there, because because now 
it's a, it's a community thing really but uh, also with the crowds in the it, it's a lot about intent um which is something we talk about there's just mm. straight up predators and then there's people that can use some sort of knowledge to adjust their behaviors where they may or may not know the things that they're doing can affect people negatively um either they're too buzzed to know or they're they're a nice guy you know on, on normal days but oh they had a little too much and like we've talked about maybe kind of chatting about that whole other piece about the partying aspect of the scene it can be small adjustments in just the better or i don't know the better way to do it i think it might be like more suggested way to either handle something or maybe just better way to, to behave um, and like we're not here to tell people what to do just kind of giving i mean what giving them ideas on how to um um, interact more properly where you're not going to affect someone's night negatively um, so like I said it's about intent and predatory behavior and then also you can make a mistake but like we're here to show you better ways I think that's in summary what I was trying to get at that it's not all disciplinary it's more about like having a conversation about um, safer ways to experience shows and have people feel safer at shows um, whether they've been through something or not but like again, building consent culture, that's sort of what it all is going to end up looking like is just small shifts in behavior towards the goal of making things safer. Yeah, that's that's super cool because your frame there is pretty large, which to me makes it even more brilliant is to say like we're, we're focusing on a large thing here. Um, and so the framing of that has got to be adjusted and I'm sure talked about and, and there's conversations that you had to have before you even got into like, now I have a table. This is what we do. You know, I'm sure that was um, quite a bit of framing how you're going to do that, which is interesting to me because it, it really is like a it's almost like a course like you would take for mental health. Like this is this is awareness. This is what it looks like. So um, yeah. that, that to me is another great part of what you do. I definitely did a lot of um, talking and, and research and like at the very beginning on being like, all right, this is how it feels for me. Must be feeling, you know bad for other people or other people must be going through this too and so over time the conversation like ended up kind of i don't want to say blossom it's not the right word but like becoming really an understanding of the way people are experiencing things and i truly believe that not only does like trauma exist on a spectrum but these unwanted experiences at shows exist on a spectrum too because Something that's not so bad for one person can be life altering for another person. And so I think a lot of people want to look at it black and white, like this counts, this counts, this counts, where that doesn't. But the thing is, is even with me, every new time something happens, it can bring up old stuff or also the, the mood that I'm in that day where, you know, someone makes a nasty comment to me in a harassment, verbal harassment form. Someday it might really bother me, but another day I might just be like, all right, whatever, that, that person's clearly having a bad day. But if we're talking about like physical touch too, you know, for me, there's certain actions that bother me more than others. Like, and we can talk about it or not, but like, you know, I've, I've experienced some things more about what I feel is really bad. Um, and I think that it's, people need to realize that not everything is the same for everybody. 
I guess. Um, so that's why I say it exists on a spectrum and every day is different. Ashley, do you think there was like not in your personal, well, maybe in your personal experience, there was a shift from maybe a time where things were a little bit safer and, and, um, things maybe have kind of gotten worse over the last few years or has has always happened and maybe is just more reported now you know things like the me too movement have brought it more to the forefront and really tried to empower women or just those that maybe have been victims of this type of abuse or harassment to come forward more um do you think that there was a shift specifically like in our scene where the frequency of it kind of increased or you think it's kind of been just level and, and more of a, a awareness thing now? Uh, well, yeah. So I guess there's no way to know exactly, but I feel like my opinion on it is that it's always been there. And I, I know it always has been, um, but about it getting worse or not, it's hard to say. I think that you um, are onto something with the idea that because either group safe or other um, groups that are having these conversations are allowing people to speak on it a little more then we're becoming more knowledgeable or the community is on the definitions of things like harassment or assault. It doesn't necessarily have to be a completed sexual assault to be considered rape or et cetera. So like, um, or I, you know, being assaulted or harassed, the more we understand what that is, I think people are checking more boxes on what kinds of behaviors they've experienced. Um, so I think it's a big combo, but I, I truly do think that the more we talk about it, the easier it is to talk about. And therefore, people are going to be understanding what's really going on a little bit better. But I, 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 I'm sure that it's been decades to hundreds of years of, of this. I mean, I know we're not we're talking if we're talking fish shows or we're talking jam band shows or talking like live musical performances and all of those things. I know that it's been going on a long time. Um, I get you know, even women specifically come up to the table and talk about dead tour and where I, you know, I wish you guys were there in the nineties. Like this is such a, so freeing for me right. to be able to at least know that you're helping someone now. And also even it's giving me the strength and power to talk about my stories from back then. So there's different things that make me uh, confident that it's always been an issue. Um, but I think it's about where we go from here, what kind of growth we can have, not just group safe, but just as a community um, in ways of looking out for each other, um, because we obviously can't go backwards. We can only sort of see where we are and try to make it better from here. But I, I do think that it's always been a thing for sure. Does your passion for this sometimes like that's a lot to take on? You know, you're I've seen you out there. The first time I met you, we were at fan art for msg a couple of years back and you know i gave you a sticker or whatever and just to see what you're doing to try to make people aware does that ever like people are telling you their stories i mean these stories are yeah impactful it's heavy shit man. Like, it's heavy yeah yeah <laughs> negative it's not just the annoying guy that's standing in front of like me and josh and i'm like ah, i can't believe this guy's six five <laughs> yeah, no, it's not like that. For, well, so here's I, i've been on a journey with it i've gotten stronger over time i was scared at first i you know a lot of my language and um, the way I explain it even has changed. I used to sugarcoat it a little because I was afraid of the reactions. Mm. And 
but now I'm a little more direct and that kind of empowers me and, and it makes my passion stronger because I feel like I can be a voice for people who aren't there and aren't ready to tell their stories. And so if I can do it a little bit for someone else, they may never be ready, but when they are, maybe there's something that I'm doing now that's getting them closer to telling what they need to tell about their lives. Um, but also like, there's no doubt about it that it's heavy and it's hard for me sometimes. Um, we were talking earlier, I'm not going to get too much into it, but like, I'm in a position right now where I'm getting pressured to do something related to this topic and I'm feeling harassed by that. And, um, it's bringing up a lot of my own traumas, bringing up a lot of things that are really hard for me that I usually have really good outlets for, but I'm feeling like I, um, I'm a little overwhelmed by this specific thing going on. So I think that I do know how to now find ways to kind of dump that energy. But anytime I'm at a table or, you know, let's call it on duty, like officially right. representing yeah, you're working. safe, like I, I'm okay with stories. I'm like, it's important to know too, that I'm not a licensed counselor. Um, I know a lot of the um, trauma informed peer counseling things, but like, I don't want anyone to ever think that GrooveSafe is a, a counseling booth, like, or, you know, a safe space where you can go and trauma dump. Like, that's not what I'm there for, but obviously, and always and often when it comes up, people tell me about the things they've experienced and it fuels me, really. Um, there are times at shows where um, it's a little much, but I, I do that for a reason. Um, and I've learned some really good skills on how to not only de-escalate someone who's really worked up about something, but also not hold it, you know, be there for them in that moment or yeah. just be like, Hey, don't you love this song? Like, come on, come back later. We'll talk. Like, you're t Are you good? Are you good now? Like I would never like shoe someone away. That's not what I'm saying. But like, kind of like, sure. how are we doing? Are we good? Cause remember you are here at the show and you love this band. Like you want to maybe right. talk about this later because <laughs> you're good. We're good. Right. You know? Um, so yeah. And that's my question. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but like you're at a show, mm -hmm. right? Like this is supposed to be for people like us. It's like the pinnacle of joy, yeah. right? It's this amazing space where the love and the light and the positivity and all that stuff is supposed to shine through. And you are, they're educating and promoting, but really a reminder that, hey, there is this part of the scene that's prevalent enough that there's an organization that's out there to educate that the band has embraced and brought into venues along their tour. It's got to be kind of hard at, at times to to maybe set that aside and like be at a fish show. I mean, it would be for me. Like, I'm worried if I'm like late, you know, getting in. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're like getting there and setting up a table and like helping people out that have, you know, dealt with traumatic shit. And I'm like, did you give me a beer? <laughs> like, that's it's, to me. You know, it's, it, but that's okay. But I know what I agreed to. And I chose to be there and sit behind the table and do that work. So, like, I'm okay with it. Um, me, but it, it can be hard. I mean, I'm not at this in this phase of my fish career. Like, I definitely keep an ear out and watch the set list. I have part of my keeping busy during sets is writing set lists at the table and like making notes and like having fun with it. Because most of the time, I'm in the concourse, I can hear the show, but I'm not like in the show. 
Um, and that's why I always say I'm really good at the first couple of notes now because I'm like, name that tune, you'd crush. It's just another wolf, man. It's like, no offense. Like, I obviously love that song, but like, it's just something like that. Like, oh, Jin heard it a couple of times before already, you know, like, so I, but either way, so my point is, is that I know I'm not there in the same capacity you guys might be at this point. I'm there on, on purpose to educate, to be that light in the room if someone needs it. Um, do you feel like you had to give up a little bit of fish to do that? Yeah. It's made me look at the whole thing differently. The whole thing. I mean, I was, I was, I feel like it was on the undermine interview at some point, like a couple of years ago, even Tom Marshall himself was like, get stash off behind the table and back down on the floor. Like it's true. Like I don't feel yeah. the same way I used yeah. to, but I was willing to sacrifice those show experiences to try to make it better because I didn't want to see music anymore. Like this is a serious conversation for me. I did not want, I mean, I'm 205 fish shows later. I, you know, about, I don't know, 75 shows ago or something. I did not want to see any more fish or any more music. It was just like, Nope, I'm not, this is too hard. People are awful. Um, and that love and light was not there. I was like, this is, this is fake. This isn't real. What, love and what? Right. Like, I'm, wow. this is, this isn't how it's supposed to be. So that was kind of why I don't mind taking one for the team um, sometimes in, in, well, all the time, but being on the other side of the table, trying to make it so other people don't feel the way I feel or felt. And I, I love the band. Don't get me wrong. They've been really good to me. So it's not that it's, and it's not, it's not the band members of the fish inks fault at all. Like we're trying to talk to fans about, improving their own behaviors at shows and taking accountability for themselves and their friends, excuse me, gender neutral across the board. Anybody deserves respect and everybody's capable of um, acting better. Yeah. We're just people, right? Yeah. But I do imagine you, this is funny. Actually, I just saw this cause I was like, we should make a t-shirt for you, like Lucy with the counselor from the Peanuts. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> thinking about that earlier didn't know how to reference it because I was like, that's me. But also, I'm not doing counseling <laughs> sessions. I'm just there. We always have an extra chair. No, I know. You know we, I know. But people sometimes are like, you're a safe, safe spot at shows. Like, no, I'm just trying to make shows safer. We want to bring Guru Safe into the room, not have to have people come to us. We want that, all that to right. be in the space. Because if all of a sudden I'm at this place that's the only safe space in the show, like that isn't what we want we don't want people to think that we want it to be no matter what section or you know ga floor or even in the line of the bathroom or for beer like that all has to be this constant understanding that we're just trying to show way more respect for people in their in their bodies in their space the thing that i like about your website is the kind of like what can you do right you're at a show some dude is or, you know, some check or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the the makeup is. I, I know that I'm sure overwhelmingly it's, you know, men harassing women, you know, and things like that. But I, I'm You'd sure that You'd be surprised, it, though. And now it, because it's like um, stereotypes and, and, and stigmas, like men who get harassed are starting to feel like they're able to admit it because they don't, they're, some people have been brought up to that you're supposed to like it. You know, if some, if some woman is, is, is bothering you or asking you, touching you. Um, but I have also been felt up a handful of times by women at shows too. So like there are this behavior, it goes across 
um, genders. And yes, statistically more likely for a, a woman to be harassed by a man, but still like the group shape conversation goes across the board. But I know you're about to say like the things, the bystander skills that you can do to take action to look out for your peers and like you go you yeah. can finish what your thought was on that for sure yeah no i mean that's basically it like you're at a show you're standing on the lawn and maybe you like see a little bit of like an uncomfortable interaction or you don't you know what you don't even know and i think in a lot of cases maybe you're not sure so you don't say anything you don't know what the relationship is or you know you don't necessarily want to intervene in somebody else's business but the kind of the little tips that you have laid out on your website are i think really good and you know could you maybe just kind of run through like They're just like tools yeah just kind of a safe way to check in with somebody that maybe it looks like they might be experiencing some sort of uh, you know uh, uncomfortable situation or something like that yeah so in the field generally of harassment it's called being an active bystander and the term comes from the concept is something called bystander effect or bystander apathy effect, which means where the more people there are in a situation that there's something bad happening, the less likely anybody is going to step in because they assume that somebody else is already doing something because there's so many people around that there has to be someone already helping. So it's not my problem, not my business. I should stay out of it because I don't know the situation. So. Because of that phenomenon, the idea is that becoming an active bystander is means taking steps to be sure that that situation is either being handled or you are the first one to help. And um, so that's kind of like the idea behind the taking action piece. We call them just by uh, group states like bystander tips. And there are four that we highlight. Um, the first one is the easiest one for me because of being, um, you know, a smaller female. There's not every situation that I'm going to personally, my personality wise, feel comfortable stepping in. So what we call the interrupt skill, which is anything along the lines of asking someone a question or getting in between the scenario in a distraction way. So I'm witnessing someone that seems uncomfortable. So I'm going to choose to do the interrupt skill, go and say, hey, what's the name of this song? But to the person being harassed. So the essential like victim in the scenario is what's the name of this song again? Or like you could even, for fish, you could even say the craziest thing like, was there an opener? Like <laughs> <laughs> That one I would definitely love. You know what I mean? And then it becomes a like, oh, no. but if, if they can say anything, oh, sorry, man, I haven't seen this band before, no idea. Like, and then go back to what they were doing. If they re-engage with this like problem that you might have thought was there, then you're good. You checked in, they're fine. But a lot of times they do need somebody to pull them out of the scenario. And they'd be, they'd be like, oh, no, there wasn't an opener, but I love this song. Can you take me, like, let's go go to the bathroom or let's go over here. Or like, oh, hey, if you ask them, like, hey, is your name Jenny? I swear we met on a lot last summer. Like, yep. Hey, what's yours again? Okay, cool. Like there could be, you know, Rebecca, like they're going to just kind of latch on to what you're offering. Take the opportunity. Right. Exactly. And like, I have better examples. And I always say this a lot. You guys maybe even heard me say it, but if anyone in your life has ever asked you the time, you don't say why you you just look at your watch three, three fifteen. Okay, cool. Thank. Or watch your phone. (laughs) I don't have a watch. But the thing is, it's, is it's true. 
um, where you don't question as a, if you're not expecting it, someone's asking you a question and just you give them the answer is either I, I don't know or you screw or whatever it is. But like the idea is that then they have an out and um, you can't be wrong in that interrupt skill, too, because you could drop something next to them like, you know, I don't know, tie your shoe. You're creating a disruption. And therefore, you can't go through the whole thing of like, oh, what if it's their boyfriend? What if they're fine? What if they're just joking? What if he's messing around? Blah, 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 blah. You don't, a lot of variables. We don't do right. the variables. We just check them right. out. So the other one, too, in this same idea is um, confront skill, which is when you actually go up to the harasser and say something. Again, the idea in all of this, which I haven't said yet, is to de-escalate. That is the most important thing. Because I hear more of the time than you could ever imagine. Sometimes they're joking. Sometimes they're serious. Oh, I'll just go. I'll just go knock them out. If I see anybody harassing a girl, I'm just going to punch them in the face. And then I have to go through the, okay, well, we don't recommend that because <laughs> here are the reasons. Do you want to hear them? And then they'll talk over me and I say, hold on. Do you want to know why? You know, and then, okay. Um, the idea is because then now you're creating a cycle of violence. You're continuing the cycle of violence. The victim is now witnessing a second form of trauma. And so... That's not the best idea. And oh, by the way, you're probably going to get kicked out or hurt somebody or et cetera. So a confront skill isn't go punch them. It's, hey, do you know this guy? Or like, um, hey, man, not cool. Or like, move along. Or, you know, don't you have somewhere right. else to be? Or, you know, you're really bothering us. Beat it. Right. Or her or whoever. Um, right. Right. I like beat it. Hey, man, beat it. And I mean, I even stuff like in like uh, anti-racism conversations, the, the, the comment is, Hey, that's racist. Just say it. Right. You know, um, again, it's a little more difficult as, you know, for me as a female, I'm most likely not going to go up to a six foot man and tell him to buzz off. Like, it's just that isn't the way I am. But there are plenty of girls, women, excuse me, that are really like really excited to go and like get in the way and, and say something. Um Again, it's your personality, and I didn't say this either, is, is every one of these skills is based on the unique situation and your comfort level at the time, because you don't want to put yourself in more danger. So then that leads us to the next one, which is the get help, um, which means talk to a staff member, a, your neighbor, you know, a, a random person next to you, um, and not necessarily safety in numbers, but bringing someone else into the scenario, then you have some backup. Or someone who's trained in it, like a, hopefully, I mean, my goal someday is to have all the venues trained in correct crisis response. But the idea is that you bring someone else into the scenario, then it's like, oh, man, I'm getting called out. And then can, you can diffuse it that way, um, whether it's to bring them to get actually removed like from a bar or something or to just help you address the situation. You call that uh, clocking somebody. Like, so that's not the violent, like I clock you over the head. Like, oh, I was like, no, no, we're not. No, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. I got your whole point. <laughs> what are you doing, skinny? No. Oh, I, I'm teasing you. <laughs> no, but I, we call it like, like time, like a clock. Like I'm going to watch this guy or girl, like, you know, we're going to clock them just to see what's going on. I see. And a lot of times Josh would be, I'm like, Hey Josh, man, clock this guy. Like, look, look at this dude just to keep me. Okay. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Like take notes yeah, it's on just it. a little bit of slang to, to kind of say, am I wrong here? Or like, am I witnessing something? I'm not crazy. You know, a lot yeah. of times that, that yeah, get another set of eyes on. Yeah. That. And then he's right. like, yeah, I'm seeing it. Or he's like, nah, dude, that guy, I just talked to him or that girl's, you know, whatever, but it seems okay. We have done that before. That's interesting that you bring that up. Cause I, I clock a lot of people. 
like, dude, I don't like, I don't like yeah. that person. And like it, <laughs> it can be interpreted that way where you actually bring someone literally physically over or you get someone else be like, this feels weird. What do you think? You know, and like, right. then you're doing something and then you're both kind of checking it out. And the idea is to then maybe interact with them. And that's what actually brings the fourth one in is called, for us, we call it check in, which is going to the person who you witnessed as the victim in the scenario. So you noticed them, but you couldn't step in because of your own safety or you couldn't get to them or, you know, who knows, like squeeze or reprise is happening. And you literally can't because everyone's like jumping out. But then you go up five, 10, 15 minutes later, separate, whatever, um, and say, hey, I noticed that. You okay? Like, not trying to bug you, but just like, I want to let you know that like, my friends and I are over here, saw what happened. You know, we're here for you if you need anything or just saying like, are you good? Some people are like, huh? Like, it depends on how you, you got to be careful on how you state like that. Like, do you need help, little girl? You know, but it's a little more like, how's are, how are you doing i noticed that so therefore their feelings are validated because the offender might be long gone by then but they're not alone in their feelings thinking that, that no one is looking out for them or or that they um that they did experience what they felt that they experienced because a lot of it you kind of try to tell yourself hey it, it's it's my fault or it wasn't that bad or whatever but the minute someone else is like i saw that i got you you know and then it's like okay that did happen and i don't feel alone cool Right on. So that can actually lower the um, opportunity for like long-term trauma is like being validated um, within that time period. I mean, we're talking about fish shows or the live music scene, right? There's a, obviously there's a prevalence of heavy alcohol and drug use of all different kinds, right? And I imagine that on both the victim and the perpetrator side, there's a I don't want to call it an assigning of blame because of intoxication, but I'm sure that there are victims that are like, man, I was too fucked up and it was my fault. And then there are perpetrators that are like, man, I was really fucked up. I don't even know what I did. Not that it excuses behavior, at, you know, in any sense of it, but can you talk a little bit about like that? As a, I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm sure it's a challenge, but I mean, that's got to be a, a, you know, a contributing factor. I think to a lot of the circumstances here. Yeah, um, hundred percent. Um, as being a factor, and um, I think I had a couple ways to go, but I think that the first thing we do is address that it's a misconception that it's an excuse. It's a misconception that it's um, the reason. Um, the only reason, like you're still responsible for your behaviors, but it is true that being, you know, well, I'm going to start with the offender side of it and then go to the victim blaming side of it, but there's still no excuse for becoming intoxicated to a point that you're now putting someone else's safety at risk. So I'm all about partying, all about having fun, but if you decide to, um, partake in the amount of something that is going to put now the people around you at risk, that is where we're like, okay, that's when we start to have the conversation about controlling your buzz, talking to your peers and your friends, like something that is, is easy to relate to is, you know, you're at a pre-party, say it's a hotel or a bar or something. And someone's like shots and shot. And you're like, okay, like I'll do one with you here and I'll buy you a beer in the venue. It's kind of like, you know, this person gets way too wasted. So you can have those little subtle, 
comments that are about um, reminding them that they don't have to get so obliterated that they don't can't stand up in the first set. Like, because those are the people that might make um, some of these mistakes that are going to affect someone else's um, well-being. And they can be a great person on any other day. But, you know, so controlling your buzz is a huge part of this conversation. And like I said, not like alcohol is an excuse, but it's a lot of part of the things that people bring up. Well, what do you expect? People are wasted. Like, well, I expect people to get a little wasted, right. but not hurt people. So that's- You don't have to, um, right. It doesn't give you a license to be a fucking asshole. <laughs> or, or- Right. Right. I mean, they sell cocktails yeah, like, there. You know what I mean? Like, you know- Yeah, so, okay. I don't care if you have, a, you have a bottle of Casamigos at your hotel room. Fine. Have a couple of shots and it might be cheaper, but- then that's what I'm saying about the accountability and taking all of us is that's almost an intervention skill, bystander intervention skill there. And that point is like preventive where you can be like, you know, that this guy's going to take all, he's going to drink that bottle of tequila, or you can offer to buy him a drink. Yes, they're expensive, but therefore maybe you could change the mentality of the pre-party a little bit. Um, And same with drugs, same thing. It's like, Dude, you didn't need to take five hits right now. Well, you know, let's take the one, see the kind of journey we go on. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to be prude or tell people what to do in any way, but this is a preventative measure to address some of these behaviors. And the other thing that you did mention is like the victim blaming and a lot of things are, that's tricky. So people who experience assault, if they're intoxicated, there is a factor of, um, not wanting to report or thinking it's your fault or you're asking for it. But all of those things are not true and not fair. Like you absolutely were just as assaulted, whether you were drunk or not, meaning like the same effects are happening to you. And so, um, of course, the controlling your buzz can go in the victim's favor too. Like if you're getting so, okay, this is going to have to be very careful. So if you're getting so fucked up that you're putting yourself at risk, To me, there are parts of that that by no means is the assault your fault ever, but think about keeping your friends safer, maybe. Um, If you do have a friend that gets really wasted, talk to them about that and maybe look out for them. Make sure that they're not home alone, going home alone or or, or not just on the street corner. Like put them in an Uber, make sure the address is right. So that's also the accountability with our friends on someone getting too fucked up and not make, and making sure that they're not unsafe. Well, it's tough to play defense when you're really fucked up like that too, right? I mean, yeah, you know, if you're falling down drunk, there you know, is no defense. Th- I mean, you're right. cognitively impaired, man. right? right. You know so, what I mean? But like, by so no that's... means should people have to then prevent sure. your own attack because they're drunk. Obviously, that is not what I'm saying here. Right. Um, what I'm saying is that. These lowered inhibitions can put us in some pretty scary, scary scenarios. And obviously the conversation should be don't hurt people, not don't get drunk. Mm-hmm. Like that's 100% right. what I'm saying. However, right. when it comes to these types of mo- concerts that we go to, drugs and alcohol affect things. And the idea is that if you can control your buzz, you might not put people in predicaments, but also... You got to be careful. You just got to be careful because until we solve this, which is years away, got to be really careful because people aren't always good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think we each have a responsibility for ourselves to keep an eye out for ourselves. Obviously, there are 
circumstances and situations that even you know the best person can get stuck into right or become victims in, in in some way but you really have to be mindful for yourself because there are people that are out there looking to take advantage of situations that's why the bystander intervention stuff is so important because if you see someone struggling it's up to us to, to step in and like make sure they're all right and you know because sure. too much too soon or yeah. you know i've been i've had my share of you know, not so sober times. And I've gotten myself in some scenarios, but it was never my fault. You know what I mean? Right. I was never my fault that I got hurt. But the idea that group safety is teaching is like, look out for each other because there right. are scenarios right. that you can prevent by being aware of your people and your surroundings sure. and checking in earlier and trying to change a little bit of that culture. Like I said before, a little bit of a shift. And looking out for each other is like, it's supposed to be a community where you look out for each other. You know, that was what kind of made us, you know, a little bit different, a little bit unique, a little bit weird, a little bit special. You know, the fact that that GrooveSafe exists, I mean, really flies in the face of what we tell ourselves, I think. Yeah, I get that sometimes too at, at tables when people say like, oh, this doesn't happen here. And I have to be like, okay, well. Unfortunately, it does. And we're invited by the band to work in the venue. We're, you know, and again, I am very part of, I think it's important to know about the group safe kind of approach too, is that I don't take any sort of aggressive approach. I don't, I'm never like, you know, I could be stern, but I'm not combative in a way where I'm not going to tell people what to do, but I can give them ideas on how to do things better. I think I said that before, but also I want to meet the person I'm teaching where they're at. I feel like I can grow with them. Like, even if you've made mistakes in the past, I'm all about teaching and learning and like restructuring and trying to give you some new ideas. Um, Because anybody that you're like in their face or telling them what to do, you know, people are going to shut down. The topic's not easy. And people aren't going to be open to having these conversations if I'm just coming at them, you know, aggressively. Um, And I learned that it's way easier to talk to someone that's willing to listen, especially with the topic being so hard. So it's like, you know, I, I'm not going to never going to like shake my finger at somebody because I make plenty of my own mistakes too. Um, but I think that the small things like, Oh, we talked about this before when we were chatting is the idea about passing by in a crowd, like a shoulder tap is the best idea because if you have to touch someone, like that's the kind of really only option where I've taught so many people that used to just like, swipe along like the middle or lower back just like hey i'm you know or even the squeezes are the worst mm-hmm. but like any of that any other area than the shoulder can be trauma can be like traumatizing or um, bringing bring up uncomfortable feelings for somebody but i've told lots of mostly men if you just stop doing that lower back touch and just touch someone on the shoulder and people have been like whoa i never knew that thanks for telling me and they're like i'll never do that again so like that's what i meant about like meeting already them where they are and like showing them a new way not men anybody but um that can be a small correction that does wonders i mean you know sure yeah like with friends and stuff like i'm i'm a, I'm a hug guy like with all my friends male and female and you know what i mean but uh i had somebody on my softball team she didn't like being hugged and i always forgot you know what i mean because we we're so close on our team it's like a family team and uh yeah, she didn't like it. <laughs> so, no. yeah, just so, it's so I think funny. I said this to 
today here or not, but a lot of the conversation with hugging now is we try to encourage people to say, are you a hugger? Instead of telling them you're yeah. a hugger. Because if you tell them you're a hugger, they don't have a choice. No, I never. Then if you say, are you a hugger with your hands out for a hug? They can be like, not, not today or no, I don't feel good or elbow, you know? And so that's a small adjustment that I was saying is like, that goes miles. Because that old, whole old school thing is like, I'm a hugger and like you're in. <laughs> no, that's like, I'm not a creepy stuff. uncle guy. Right, exactly. And it can be from a really good place. So right. the idea is to switch the language just a little bit where you say, you can even say, I'm a hugger, are you? Or you just say, hey, are you a hugger with the gesture? Because yeah. you're like ready to hug them. And they give they then gives them the opportunity. It's like, you know, in a handshake, it's like the ultimate consent thing is you always, your life, offer your hand to shake. And people have to meet you to shake, right? Yeah. And so it should be the same thing with a hug, too. It's like you're offering either verbally is great, but if you go in and just throw your hands out, you know, they can meet you in that hug or they can choose not to. And I think that it's crucial, just small adjustment. Trust me. I've gotten a lot of the people going like, no, I'm good. Skinny. It's like Jerry Seinfeld when they had the kiss hello in the uh, apartment building. It's like, I'm sorry, I can't kiss you anymore. (laughs) The kiss hello. The kiss hello. And it can be awkward at first, but it takes a little practice and then it's just, you're just changing your words. And And it's, you're giving the person the choice. Yeah, you're on the forefront of being a, a really good human being. I know, we, you know, you said you make mistakes and, um, you know, we all do, obviously. You didn't, I mean, um, I just think that's great what you're doing because of the way that you're looking at it. You're looking at it from a people side, a human being side. So this it, it crosses a lot of, of different, um, maybe blurry lines for people. And, and to clear that up and, and say, like, how can you help? other people be a good human being and be one yourself within the limitations of your individuality is, is, is pretty cool. Thanks. I mean, I, I'm trying because it matters to me and I see the small changes working. A lot of people just want to like close the tab and be like, nah, but if you take a second to realize it's not as scary as it feels or seems, um, or I'm not, I'm also not just sitting here pointing fingers. Like that's also another thing because people, assume that i'm just gonna be like men are bad don't touch anybody don't even ask anybody out don't flirt like that's not it we're not proof that's not it it's about consent it's about having a a choice having the other person having a choice being in the choice together because you're gonna get a lot more when you have consent (laughs) 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 you're gonna have a way better time awesome so Ashley is going to be stubbing us down today for the first episode of season five. So we're really excited about that. So let's get into today's show. If you are new to Stub Me Down, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. The premise of the show is that Skinny and I have been to concerts over the years together separately. And what we've done over the previous 49 episodes is we pull a ticket stub at random and we use that show to talk about uh, obviously the music, our friendship, the funny things that happen along the way. So today, Ashley is going to be pulling the ticket stub. Skinny, do you have anything else to say before we get to the stub down? Yes, I'm really excited. And here's to the next 50. All right, man. God, 50. God, we'll, you'll be almost 60 by the time we have another 50 episodes. <laughs> so <laughs> fucked up. Can we talk about um, age safe? <laughs> <laughs> I am not ageist. All right, Ashley from Groove Safe, are you ready to stub me and skinny down today? I'm so ready to stub you down. I have printouts. Oh, no. <laughs> For you guys. Printouts? Oh, I changed boy. changed the name on the Ticketmaster printout and I printed them out. I have some stuff, some dubs for you. 
are going to go to Fish on July 28th, 2021 at the Walmart Arkansas Music Pavilion in Rogers, Arkansas. The kickoff of Summer Tour 2021. Right after yeah, COVID. Yeah. And you guys can remind me, it was the sh- first show back after a canceled yes, tour? Yes. This- right? Yeah, it was from the same date. Well, not the same date, I don't think. It, yeah, I think it is the rescheduled date, right? From the it's show. the rescheduled date from summer 2020. Um, for sure. This was the first show of their 22-show summer tour. And it was the first show that they had played since February 23rd, 2020, which was in Mexico. And summer tour got, well, not canceled, but postponed to the following year. And this was the first show back after COVID. I mean, we were still, you know, COVID was still raging. Um, There was obviously the New Year's run a few months later gets postponed to April 2022. So COVID was obviously still a pretty big thing. But this was the first show back after dinner and a movie and all of the things that kind of fish did to keep us engaged and really the online community really developed. Uh, I mean, shit, we started our podcast because of no, no concerts in 2020 and along with a lot of other people (laughs) along with, yes. Um, and even still today, people are starting podcasts with similar ideas and making fun Um, of them. So, and here's to you, this show and I've listened to it a whole bunch of times and we, you know, we live streamed this. It was the first, like there was just so much excitement as they came back and it kind of felt like a little bit of a return to normalcy. It was their first time playing in Arkansas. This was the first show that Groove Safe was invited by the band. Can you talk a little bit about how you got to Arkansas? Yeah, absolutely. I took an airplane. No, um, so what happened was, um, <laughs> that's my yeah, job. Yeah, that well, well played. Um, no, so 2020. All right. So April, 2020, we were contacted by fish to get involved. And the first thing that they did to highlight group safe in our work was we actually were sponsored for a dinner and a movie. Um, this was the first big thing for Groove Safe and Fish was being a beneficiary of a dinner and a movie. It was one of the last ones they did. And I got the announcement and it was actually, I'm from Massachusetts, so Great Woods is my home venue. And the clip on the dinner and a movie announcement that they were going to do was actually the song Stash. From the show, what's my nickname? So it's from the show. Um, this, this, you know, 1.0 show, Great Woods. Stats people are going to get on me on this one. We'll, we're going to, I'm going to get it by the time <laughs> we're done. Don't um, worry, we're not. More about because it's a special show to people. It's a really special right. show. Anyway, so this is the replay. They're going to replay a 1.0 show. And I was like, great. People are going to love it. People are going to watch it. People are going to watch this replay of this 1.0 show. And it's going to be the Groove Safe one. So it was very successful. It was really, really great. We had um, great donations and great engagement. Um, so that's where the relationship started. And while we were kind of forming the partnership, um, the idea was to just come out and be at every fish show, come out to the show, walk in with water wheel, you know, so that's early entry, which is a whole experience. um, And then table in the venue, talk to fans and operate basically alongside water wheel as a nonprofit with fan interest type of thing. Cause a lot of water wheels beneficiaries are environmental causes, food banks, and, 
different things for communities outside of a fish show. So we were the first, GrooveSafe was the first beneficiary that was for the fan experience. And so that was really pretty significant um, in a way where um, obviously fellowship and those sorts of things are for the fan experience. But I'm just saying as a dinner and a movie goes, we were the first one that was like really kind of geared towards the fan. We chose this show today because that Arkansas show was the very first time where I took Safe as a partner into the venue. You know, we went in um, an hour and a half before doors. I set up my table and um, so many things happened, but it was like smooth because the people were so nice. Everyone was so inviting. It was also so hot. When I tell you hot, like it was probably 96, 97 degrees and like, Usually when you get to the show, you get there around doors or later. And it's cooled down a little bit from the summer heat. But like I was in this new adventure where I had to load in gear in like a tank top and shorts and like not even my cute show clothes because I was like so sweaty and like holding all my stuff and dripping. Teamster. It was something else. And like I was my I think I drank like four Nalgene's. But that was like so significant because it was our first show, my first show from the other side, and Groovesay's first show as a partner. Before we get into the first set, tell us about your soundcheck experience. Yeah, so that was why it was made really cool, and that's why I had brought up, well, Dinner in a Movie is significant because of the beginning of the relationship, but the clip was a stash, and that's like the end of my song. So I'm kind of stressed out, kind of really kind of nervous, because I wanted to make sure I did it all right, and my actually uh, volunteer had her flight canceled so i was alone and so i had to, i went into this first show in arkansas first time fish first time back 4.0 even right alone sweaty and like okay so i finally get my table set up i put the mission statement down and the band comes on stage for soundcheck usually we're not in the venue when soundcheck starts but in 2021 and because of all the changes we were in there and first notes to stash and i was just like God, I'm supposed to be here. This is supposed to be it. Opening soundcheck with Stash. It just hit me like, wow, I did this. I'm here. We're in early. They're playing Stash. Like, I was like, it's for me. And I made the mistake of recording it, which you're not allowed to do. Um, <laughs> did you um, post it on everything? <laughs> I didn't actually post on everything. It was like on my personal 10 second Instagram story being like, holy right. crap. Right. They're soundchecking with Stash and I can see him. I can see it. I'm in here. I did this, you know, yeah. so that was a really, really special moment. But I did feel like it was a little like nod to me. Like I almost was like, they know, right. like, thanks, Trent. Like, um, whether they, to this day, I don't know if they actually know or not, but it would be cool if they did. Well, let's take a look at the um, first set because first show of 4.0, if you are a believer in such trivial <laughs> eras of the band but nonetheless this was the first show that they had played in 520 days so there was a lot of excitement i think skinny i'll do the first you want to do the second is that uh cool yes have, and you, have you googled the set list yet you're such <laughs> now we're going to talk about real harassment on podcasts uh <laughs> ashley um yes i have it up i'm ready great all right, so set one from Fish in Rogers, Arkansas at the Walmart Arkansas Music Pavilion. All right, so the set opens on July 28th. The first show of 4.0 opens with a debut. I never needed you like this before. 
tube into free, bouncing around the room, 46 days, limb by limb, Wolfman's brother, NICU, and then the set closes with drift while you're sleeping. So I had to look this up because of the debut here. And I wanted to know how many shows Fish has started with a debut that is that has never been played before. And I didn't go back too far, but I went, um, I think, back to like 2012. And there are not that many, believe it or not. There was the, let's see, Skinny, you were at Charleston on December 8th, the Sigma Oasis debut opened the show there. Yeah. Also in 2019, Kathy's Clown opened the July 2nd show at SPAC. And then, Skinny, you were also, I think I was also at the 2019 MSG run when they opened the whole run, the 1228 show with Evening Song, which was a debut. Yeah. And then after this, we get Evolve debut opening the show in Nashville on, on, on August 4th. But this obviously was you know a pretty blatant and obvious nod to the lack of an audience that fish had you know obviously they hadn't played in front of anybody in um quite a long time and trey singing the the chorus and the band i mean there was just a a real release i feel like um at that moment is that kind of what it felt like in the moment when they started singing this new tune and it's I never needed you like this before and, and it almost felt like the fans should be singing that back to the band, you know what I mean? I know, yeah. I actually did strangely just get like a wave of little goosebumps here because I was thinking about how just overwhelming like that moment was, but then also that song, having those lyrics like that um, and really feeling like they were drawing us back in not ignoring the fact that it had been 500 something days and you know here we are in like arkansas and like that was a i forget you guys can remind me but it was a kind of a trey solo song from the beacon jam or, or like a covid jam or something right that he would- it was the on the covid album um let's see i mean here lonely trip yeah so it was basically oh, like trip. covid okay. tray he's like writing writing yeah writing the, songs yeah. Into forget the tray debut like covid trip um, just call it before it caught out the fish but i i can't remember but i do remember that moment and those lyrics hitting pretty pretty hard and you're not really totally knowing the song either but being like huh i don't totally know this but i do recognize it and i know these lyrics are pretty powerful at least Sure. I mean, and it's a little bit of a risk, you know, Skinny, to open the whole show with the whole tour, the whole you know year and a half with a you know a brand new tune. I was gonna say that right out of the box, you know, I was gonna save this comment, but I I heard is like the show was widely panned, Um, not unlike not unlike Charleston Night Three, (laughs) which. Always deserves it. Well, it does. I mean, a lot of people talk people about it. People really do dog this show. And yes. I'm talking about the psychology behind that. Is it the actual tracks? Is it the actual performance? Is it where it was? Is it after COVID? Is it because people, some people couldn't go, couldn't right. get there. I think it's a combination of all of those things, actually. Yeah, I don't think there's a magic bullet. No, it's like, it's, it's too many things to talk about. You know, for my money, I like all of it all the time, really. But, you know, I pick and choose where... I'm more of, I think, like a placement guy nowadays where I'm like, ah, I didn't like that there. Mm. 
But I don't know. You know, I don't have that direct experience other than seeing shows before. But I would have got it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do remember this. And, like, it is powerful enough to say. I think I, the crowd's reaction is pretty palpable, too. I think what um, you get here in look... First song back after how long? Yeah. So it, it depends on how you want to evaluate it. Are you evaluating it as a tour opener? Are you evaluating it as the first show back after a forced hiatus or break? I think that you can't really single out this show and just be like, this show on paper and listening to it without those other factors, you can't do it because even if they weren't as tight as they could be, you know, mid run or does anybody like a tour opener, right? Everybody's going to complain about a tour opener, no matter how good it might be because it's the tour opener, right? You can't start at the top, right? They have to work their way up to the raging benchmark type of shows. And so I think you get that played in here. Like nobody is going to give the show its due regardless because it's a tour opener. The Tube, you know, they have a, a little bit of an extended. It doesn't quite, you know, hit the worthy of skinny 10 minutes, but... It's like seven. It, yeah, yeah, so it's about seven. But it has a nice little groove. They get into yeah. a little bit. And then the free, again, they're coming back with I feel the feeling I forgot. Like the crowd goes ape shit when they sing that yeah. line. Really? Yeah. yeah, really. And there yeah. it is that now it's more than just about what the show is on paper. Then it really is the community, the shared experience the band can't do what they do without us and we can't do what we do without them and i think that a lot of this first set really was a respect from the band to the fans about that kind of message about that give and take and then after free trey's like you know thank you thank you for being here thank you for saving our lives and you know and his voice kind of trails off at the end of that like i don't know if he meant to say that or whatever but i'm sure that that was kind of a shared sentiment i think too they they do a little thematic stuff like the song choices i think if we would have been playing our game still back then we somebody would have hit the bingo on this one bouncing around the room just kind of talks about being inside kind of you know what i mean just the, not necessarily the lyrics but you know what i mean oh yeah 46 days like living kind of like that's a long time if you really look at it i felt like too like you turn into the wolfman's brother like everybody's hair was long and like had a beard <laughs> even some girls i knew and then like you know it kind of it kind of and i see it'd be like hospitally yeah <laughs> right exactly like we could break this thing down like a hundred different ways. But I was thinking about why was it so panned? And I think maybe it was a little bit of the, the length. But like you said, Josh, tour opener, trying to get your feet under you. That just happened in Nashville. They played Torn and Frayed this past fall. And it was like, you know, the band was nervous that first night. Like, I love that line because they're being themselves when they say, like, we're, we still get, like, nervous yeah. about this stuff. Like, imagine how, like they must have felt as musicians to go on and put this on it's still COVID. there's a lot going on it's the first show back there in arkansas you know i think people were panning this and stuff on social media before they even played a note yeah too so um like ashley also said all those combinations did you feel that way through the first set ashley like what were you liking what did you not i want to hear your your stat talk <laughs> yeah so i mean so something i was just thinking about and i don't know if it holds any water but sometimes i feel like in when fish plays in places they don't commonly play 
that there are some times where they go a little bit basic yeah. because there might not be the everyday fan. You're not going to get this first set the third night of the seven night MSG last summer. Like it's just there's something about I think like in a new geographical place, especially the first time in Arkansas, you might get not as diehard fans bringing their not as diehard dates or something like that where they're gonna play like a little bit puppier upper upbeat kind of catchier tunes or maybe bouncing like the fish song that maybe the only person that they went to that shows because that's the only fish song they've ever heard right um right. so there could be some of that in the dynamic and those are also songs that are i mean they play them so many times i think that they were trustworthy too in some yeah. sort of weird way mm. Um, and obviously not by the debut, but Cuban Free and Bouncing. Bouncing was a little rough. I feel like Trey was like a little excited about the Bouncing and was maybe like a quarter measure ahead of everybody, both on okay. like his part in the harmonizing and then at the end when it like and like I felt like he was just a little bit ahead maybe a little bit so maybe it was just bad excited about it highly critical <laughs> now let's start picking this thing apart my thing was more about a theory um I just I I always have a good time so and I was really really focused on my surroundings because I think if you guys have a second I'll explain something else too is that early on in the show there was a full line of uniformed local police, like full line crossing between my sight line and the stage. And so I think a lot of this set, I was really distracted by not understanding why they thought blocking me in uniform. And then, then I go into my whole like personality disorder and thinking like, what, what, what aren't they understanding that they're blocking any access to me? People aren't going to walk through a uniformed police officer to get the help they need from me. And like, so I think a lot of that said, I was really trying to understand my environment and making sure that I did the best I could do to really be there for anybody who needed me. The music sounded routine to me. Mm. Um, obviously not the opener that they never played before. That's not what I'm sure. As it got into it, it's like songs I've heard a lot. It was and... very first setty, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I mean, yeah. Did you ask the police to move? I think eventually I sort of said, like, hey, why are you guys posted up here? Or, like, I kind of did something weird. Or, like, kind of gave them looks. And I was like, hey, can you move a little? I think I was polite, hmm. but said something. But didn't get into all the whys because I don't think they probably would have cared. Right. But, um, <laughs> I remember being paranoid by it, though, being like, why you guys aren't understanding? Like, go away. No, I would have been. I would have been like, uh, I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, but the next night um, was in uh, Alabama, and they put me at the gate next to the security guards. And I was like, okay, you guys, we're, we're learning here. This isn't the mission. Yeah. The mission isn't to, like, be a first aid tent. Like, we need to be accessible to the fans. Right. So that all worked itself out, which kind of was a cool learning experience. But, um, yeah, I just remember the Arkansas. It was a line of police just, like, right in front of me. And I was even like, oh, this doesn't good. Yeah. I mean, they weren't even dancing or anything, I'm sure. <laughs> they were just scanning the crowd looking. Yeah. yeah, right. They were policing. <laughs> All right. Well, and, I mean, you get limb by limb after the 46 days, and then Wolfman. Isn't that 
all the time. We don't get that. No, all the time. I like that limb by limb. I, I always love that song. We, we talked about that. And that's a nice segment of the show. So you got a couple classics in there. The Wolfman's is really a, a very nice, tight version. You know, they really pack a punch in towards the end of that. There's a really nice groove. Trey and Paige really have some nice interplay there. So it really, there were definitely some moments in this first set. The NICU and then the drift that they closed the set with. I feel like the drift is a great bookend to I Never Needed You Like This Before. Now on the backside, you know, we move through stormy weather. Uh, shout out to Ryan Storm and the Stormy Weather Podcast. Love will carry us through. You love Ryan? Yeah, You know, there was this whole mentality of we made it. You know, we're here despite whatever difficulty maybe, you know, you as an individual or our community faced in the last 520 days. We're here now. And there was this, I think, really joyous atmosphere that comes through, at least in the, the set structure. And I'm sure that some of that is felt in the venue, despite wall of police and stuff like that that's standing in front of you yeah right i was just you know, setting the scene <laughs> no I, I mean it's it's just funny shit that happens there despite that as a, a you know a visual obstacle there was definitely i feel like some high vibes that they brought through the music and uh, i definitely really had no problem listening to this first set let me review the first set here so they come out and they debut i never needed you like this before Four, tube into free, bouncing around the room, 46 days, limb by limb, Wolfman's brother, NICU, and drift while you are sleeping. Off of Ghost of the Forest. Skinny, I think you were at the debut of that June 11th, 2019 in St. Louis, right? I was. That's another one I've seen. Wow, that's crazy. See, that's why he does stats. I don't remember that stuff. I know more of your stats than you do, bro. That's true. All right. <laughs> Well, I don't know what that means, but uh, move us into the second set here, bud. <laughs> I will. So set to uh, down with disease into simple into fuego into plasma into a runaway gym, which also goes into weak groove for a hot minute back into runaway gym, then into rift. One of my personal favorites, if I could, then into rise come together and then into slave to the traffic light and then they encore was say it to me santos that's a crazy sorry but that was not a basic second set no that wasn't basic at all if you ask me i didn't so just to say like to start off i didn't like the drift while you're sleeping ending sorry josh but everything else in the second set was especially for me from the fuego with the simple really on i liked and i liked the plasma a lot that's like one of my newer favorite tunes that i've seen a bunch and i really like plasma but I've never seen them do anything like they did in the middle of that set. So, And you could hear it in the crowd, too, on the odd recording that I listened to. That That's badass. They gave them something that they didn't give everybody else on that tour. For sure. You know? I agree with it being unique. Um, I don't know if you're going to break it down more in specific detail, but that's... <laughs> I yeah. won't. That's your thing, right? I've got some, I, I've got some notes. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say what I see right away is... A rare gym into a week of pug with no mics, back to a gym as a little sandwich in the set. Like that alone is special. That's yeah, gold, Jerry. The the elephant in the room here, Ashley, is and he hasn't said it yet, what, but the disease opener? Yes. 
Now, have you listened to our show? If you've, if you, we talk about If you have not listened to previous episodes of Stubby Down, Skinny is not a fan of Down with Disease to open the second set. And I can actually, I, I have done some analysis <laughs> today because. Ashley, we have had this conversation. I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. Like, he completely skipped over a f- almost 16-minute Down With Disease, which I thought was pretty good. Like, it was a fun... It is good. I listened to it, actually, believe it or not. Not to mention the steam here, back from COVID, we get a, he- a really pretty intense disease. So, you know, second set opener on the tour opener and the 4.0 opener. <laughs> it's a little on the nose, right? It's perfect. I, I think it's perfect, but... Statistically, Skinny hates Down With Disease because he has seen Down With Disease open the second set um, more times. And I have it in a different book how many times I actually tried to figure it out. And, you know, he's seen like a hundred and something shows. So, like, it's a lot of shows to go and count. And Disease second set openers that I've seen. Now, that is something I would look at. Well, funny you should ask. I'm going to tell you a lot. So because of the opposition that Skinny has to the to the second set Down With Disease, I had to look it up. So Down With Disease has been played 315 times by Fish. Okay. Out of that 350 times, 315, excuse me, 99 times, and this is only counting once, so I might have missed it, but 99 times out of that 315, it has come as a second set opener. All right. Mm-hmm. However, if you look at just the 3040 era of fish, it completely changes the percentage here. In that 3.0, 4.0 era, the song has been played 140 times, and 64 of those have come as a second set open. So almost 50% of Jesus. Down with Disease tunes have come in the second set. And once you get into 2010, 2000, like there are segments where like the only time they would play it in a tour was as a second set opener. And even 3.0, the first time they played Down With Disease was on March 8th, 2009, which was the return. It was the third show at Hampton. They opened the second set with mm-hmm. Down With Disease. So it... Talk about a song being typecast in the in the fish realm, and there are I've seen it a ton. I understand, and he's seen it a ton, and there are a number of very very good ones. There's the Let It Grow tease from Trey in this one. I, I think it's a great version, you know. And then the oh, yeah seg into simple. I mean, that thirty minutes to start off the second set is as good as you're gonna find, you know, at any point in a tour. I think you do not get a lot of Grateful Dead teases from Trey very often. Never. No, so that yeah. is extremely notable. And the simple gets a little bit like dark and scary the last maybe four minutes or so. Like it, they take that out there a little bit type two. Um, but that first 30 minutes was tight. There was, you know, it was not clunky. They had some deep grooves, great interplay. The sound is fun, very danceable. The transition into Fuego was good, but the kind of the beginning of Fuego was maybe a little bit clunky there not everything was super tight but i'm not that big of a critic i mean i'm not either i just feel like it's more for me about song choices songs that i want to see so but the plasma was great Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i really 
gained a lot of liking to that song. Sometimes I feel like Plasma comes from a, like a weird place, like an unexpected place. I like that it's found its way into a fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. 2014 was the first time that Fish played Plasma, which actually, I feel like it's kind of a long time ago. And then, well, then you get into this Runaway Jim here, and you both alluded to this a little bit earlier when we started talking about the second set, but there's a little sneaky Weekapog in the middle of this Runaway Jim. It's tracked on Fishnet, but it is not tracked on the Live Fish app. So when you listen to the show through Live Fish, it's just Runaway Jim with the Weekapog in the middle. You really have to do some pretty hard digging to find standalone Weekapogs, which I did not do. So. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and honestly, because I had some statistics for the Rift afterwards, so I didn't want to overload too many statistics. And actually, I feel like we talked about a standalone week of Pog mm-hmm. last season, too skinny. I remember it being newer, a newer thing, and I was like, oh, weird, no mics. Because I remember my stats changed slightly, and then I mm. end up now having I don't remember. more than one more of week of Pog than mics. Like, so over the past handful of years, I think two or three, years they've just gone into week pog out of nowhere i do remember looking at my stats where i have like hmm. right there's probably a couple yeah i, mean, I want to say handful because that seems like more than what i mean but of week i have more week bugs in my yeah. not just by the one well and it could be like they went back into it from something yeah but they also do remember just being by itself a few times well, so, I mean, but, you know, what that means is not only do you have a nice segment at the beginning with 30 minutes for two songs and some nice jams. The Fuego jam is nice, even if the kind of the formal structure of the song was a little bit clunky. You get the plasma, and then you get this statistical runaway jam with the weak pog in the middle there. And then you get into a rift, which finds itself in the second set here, which you do not often find rift. Fish has played Rift 305 times, and all but 65 of those have been in the first set. Yeah, it's usually a first set, like right smack dab in the middle. It's usually a first setter, so I think for for the Rift, you know, I mean, it's a standard Rift. Rift is a great tune, right? But the placement here in the second set, I think, is what makes that kind of cool, at least for me being the nerd and then if i could lovely ballad here and what a great you know great landing spot yeah one of my favorite this hadn't been played since the summer tour in 2019 in toronto so that was at like a 38 show gap too so i won't say it's like a hardcore bust out but it's a nice little mini bust out here yeah it's definitely special it's notable and it's something that a lot of people have a lot of personal emotional connection to that song yeah definitely and it's not one that's like like a waiting in the velvet sea that's played like a lot or was played a lot this is probably my favorite that's theirs that's not a cover you know i would say circus is probably my favorite cover. it's high up there on people's valid favorites and the same thing as not seeing it very often and kind of a lot of people were kept missing it yeah. you know like oh i love it but i keep missing it yeah this and then you miss this that's i don't know if you looked that up josh but like after this, if I could, when did they play it next? You know what I mean? That's the I question, Jimmy. Me, I will tell you. It was not again until, well, actually it was that summer again. They played it at Shoreline. Okay. But 17 shows later, so. Yeah, I mean, see, like twice a tour, right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe once. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it, we let's see. They brought it back in 2018 after 159 shows. 
in, in Vegas. And then it was sprinkled in a couple times a tour. Okay, yeah. The past handful of years. And they only played it once last time. Yeah, I mean, and you're looking at since they brought it back after that gap, you're still only looking at, what, 10 plays maybe? 10. And that was t- 2018 to 2023. I mean, people that are listening, they can't see this, but I'm just going to describe it. It's two nerds having a nerd off. Okay, but I'm obsessed because I told you, you gave me a fish.net, and I'm like, ooh, the yellow means I was there. Okay, ooh, look, I, I see know. NASA. And then I'm like, oh, okay, let's look. At rabbit this. hole, bro. It's a rabbit hole. But if I could, we're talking yeah. about. Are we yeah. talking about? Yes, we are. <laughs> it was like you guys, like on your computer devices anyway because you can only see us for our faces yeah, <laughs> like, yeah i know down the numbers. That's, uh, so that's, that's good times well some people should watch this on youtube watch our nice faces on YouTube. i know right. i'm just gonna be i'm gonna have to cover the camera here <laughs> after the if i could they go into rise come together which debuted in pittsburgh in 2017 right before the baker's dozen kicked off this was the 14th time they had played that again i think this kind of plays a little bit into the theme of the evening you know rise up come together we're all in this together that type of mentality and then oh, what a beautiful slave mm-hmm. to close the also, show i mean okay. that i you know what i mean that I think was a, a a really poignant way to close this one out. You know, we've had a lot of discussions on Stub Me Down about Slave to the Traffic Light and what it means. Dr. Amanda talked about a powerful one. Christian and I have talked about slaves that have, you know, moved us. And when that song hits and the placement is perfect, there's nothing better to experience than, you know, a slave peak. And this one I just, I just felt really was a great end to, you know, really a special, unique night, you know? It's really I can tell you quickly, I'll just tell the quick version, but it really, that slave helped me monumentally that night because I had a little incident in the second set um, where there was some um, venue staff and rented security, so to speak. I know that they weren't high level, but they actually were trying to uh, deal with someone who was pretty far out on some psychedelics and they were trying to walk him out but at one point he got real spooked and ran from them and they ended up trigger warning chasing him three times in front of my table and what happened was they they all like jumped on him all crazy and that was so shocking to me i got pinned behind my table and so during this like what could have been a really good experience for me watching this like really unique kind of song placement in the second set i'm like dealing with this like physical abuse and trauma from this this venue staff and it really threw me off my game like i was not in like literally not even no pun intended was pinned behind the table like i said and they were so worried about getting this person apprehended but he wasn't causing any problems other than being maybe too high but anyway so i remember that slave being extremely um therapeutic for me because i had just witnessed that trauma and i had actually been physically knocked over and um and i was working too i was at the table i was still fully in activation none of the people who knocked me over even checked on me or asked me anything someone from um, customer service walked over she did the check-in skill though take note she did come in later and be like how you doing i i you know you, that seemed like pretty tough for you and i said I'm not okay, but thanks for checking in. Like, I'm really shaking up. Like, I'm kind of looking forward to getting out of here, to be honest. But um, this Slave to the Traffic Light put me back into the, like, 
you're okay, you got this, this night's important, you know, let's just get through it. So, pretty intense. Man, that's crazy. That's like a, an emotional roller coaster you're mm-hmm. on right there. Um, thank God for that slave. I mean, yeah. for you to have the ability to say this brings me some peace for the moment. Yeah, I'm glad I got to tell the story with a better ending. A really good skill, too. Because it is, I mean, that brings it back to the group safe stuff, too. It's like, respect and venues just making sure that they're they're taking care of their patrons and that's something that i want to do when i get into the venue space is to make sure that the crisis response is handled correctly yeah that's that's just something that like that if you're on the forefront of that that's just even crazier like how to oversee that i would exact you know i don't know if i'm looking for that word but like coordinate probably would be a better word how that could i'm sure in the face of local law enforcement depending on what county city and state you're dealing with is going to be either difficult or well yeah especially I mean, spearheading I think spearheading, it's that kind of concept too and for mine it would be group safety yeah, topic sure. related to have reporting be easier and handled better and to make sure that people were believed and taken care of and they did report an issue and like how to make the venue available for helping people and not just worried about getting people in trouble I think that's going to be a big shift in this whole consent culture move Anyways, I just, that reminded me of that tough moment and also reminded me to re- tell you guys that I do have this really pretty cool venue project that is is already written um, and it'll be really nice to be able to get the venues more involved on um, not only responsibility, but looking out for the well-being of, of their people and security not be based only on the mentality of, you know, getting people busted and in trouble. Like, let's help people instead. Let's, let, let's want, make them want to come back to our our venue and our concerts and stuff. Amen. Because we were, I mean, at the very least, we're paying customers, right? Let me run through the second set real quick. Oh, yeah. Let's so set two from uh, Walmart, Arkansas, Music Pavilion, 728-2021. Down with disease into a simple, into fuego, into plasma, into runaway gym, which goes into a neat little weekapa groove back into a runaway gym. Rift, then if I could, into rise come together into sleep to the traffic light and then the encore was say it to me santos i i did want to say that trey comes out and was also thanks the crowd again and a uh, little bit of banter there about giving his phone number or whatever so they can call back here again and he's like no just give mike's number <laughs> i don't know if you guys heard that there's the mic hotline yeah the mic hotline, hotline yeah. which i have on my phone the mic hotline <laughs> is funny if you have not called the mic hotline you should call it it's pretty funny oh my god yeah chuckle Ashley, listen, I got to tell you, uh, you're doing such great work. What a great human being you are. And um, we're so uh, happy to have you on our show. It's really important work. And I think making people aware of like really a myriad of kind of these issues that you're talking about and kind of how to intervene safely has just been eye-opening and interesting. And I'm, I've gained a lot of knowledge and, uh, you know, as somebody that's a proud dad of two girls and a husband, um, it's issues like that that we think about with our kids and things like that. So if we can get to that point that you're talking about, um, what a wonderful world that would be. Um, so just wanted to say thanks. That's really nice. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, I'm doing the best I can to try to get to that space. I mean, I always said being obsolete would be yeah kind of, right. you don't hear businesses or, or organizations like saying being obsolete is a goal. But like for me, I, I think that <laughs> is the point. You want to go back into the concert like i do want to go back it'd be nice if you could fully reclaim fish for what originally mm. brought you there you know 
and and not have to give up a sizable piece of that for this but the fact that you are is commendable and um it is a responsibility for all of us to look out for other people while we're in this environment because if we want to be who we all claim to be as a community then we should be able to work to send you back to just being a fan at a concert and not having to take on this very important but very heavy experience and role and something that's kind of antithetical to what we're trying to do when you go to a concert um, so thank you for that why don't you share real quick where people can find you um, find information about positive interventions and active bystander tips and stuff like that so the website screwsafe.org always the quickest um, way to get all the resources but we're on all the socials facebook instagram twitter and uh, the um, other thing that's noteworthy right now is that you guys got a, any listeners and all of our supporters that we're going to be putting out a fan survey within the next handful of weeks so we can get some really good data metrics and some feedback. Um, it's going to be crucial for you guys to participate in that um, because every person that can you know lend their their voice and their experiences there it's going to be a five minute survey real emotional but easy in a sense where please help us participate in that so that we can get the numbers and we can grow and we're able to um, come with some really important stuff from our own study look out for that too yeah. that's going to be everywhere shortly cool yeah let us know we're happy to we're happy to share yeah. that across our um, social media channels Absolutely. But thank you guys too. It takes a really, it's brave to bring on a guest with a, a tough subject and it shows that you guys are, are good people too, right? To be able to give me space here to talk to the fans about this, this, um, thank you. Stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Skinny. I saw Scott from fan designs last night. Great to see Scott and Casey. If you're looking to get any merch ahead of Goosemas or the Fish New Year's run, check out our buddy Scott over at Fan Designs with a Z. He's got all sorts of stuff. And we always like to plug the Lot by Primal Soup. They're on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but all those shops are still available. You can still check them out. So love them. yeah, holiday season's right around the corner and shop local right? Shop the lot, help out our friends. Hey, if you want to check us out on the socials, we are on Twitter at stub underscore me underscore down. We are also on Instagram at the same address, stub underscore me underscore down. We're on blue sky at stub me down. There's no underscores allowed in those handles, but as we wade our way through the social media landscape, we're trying to be wherever everybody is. So Hey, we want to thank Ashley from Groove Safe for joining us here today and stubbing us down on a great fish show, the beginning of the 4.0 era from Arkansas on July 28th, 2021. An important show in more ways than one. And we are so grateful for Ashley's time today and sharing all about the mission of Groove Safe. And hey, be proactive out there and look out for each other and check out Groove Safe if you want to figure out how you can safely but appropriately intervene if you see some shit going down at your next show, all right? We will be at Fish.
uh, MSG 100% on the 30th and 31st, and I'm working out the other days, but for sure we'll be in the venue at MSG for the New Year's Run for Fish. So cool. you guys have another way to see us is chat with us at the table. Cool. Well, I'll make sure I swing by and see you um, at MSG. And thanks again to Ashley from Groove Safe Skinny. Nice job as always. Love you. Season five, buddy. 50 episodes in. Let's see what we got coming up. All right. Thank you so much for checking us out here on Stummy Down. And we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Have a good one. Ashley, thank you so much. Thanks, you guys.